The Alabama Crops Report Podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of the Alabama Crops Report Podcast. Scott Graham and Amanda Shear here today. Today we've got our extension cotton agronomist, Dr. Steve Brown, on us. Going to talk a little bit about cotton harvest, defoliation uh, thoughts and things like that. And Steve, how's it going? It's going very well, Scott. All right. Well, today we are going to talk about defoliation, uh, harvest age, those types of things. With that in mind, this is season, harvest season number? Probably 47 for me. 47. 47. And that dates back to your time as a, as a graduate as a, student? Or as, as a county as a, extension agent here in North Alabama, yes. So in other words, Amanda, he's done it more times than we have. Mm-hmm. I need to catch up. I've yeah. only this is only coming on number three for me because yeah. I came from vegetables before. So I think that was probably before you were born. So we'll, we'll yeah, just a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit. We weren't trying to like <laughs> highlight that aspect of it, there, Steve. <laughs> oh, any gray hair coming, Scott? Oh well, with the new seven-month-old baby at home, it's it's getting there. We're getting there. We, we'll use discretion and won't ask Amanda. So yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, Steve, uh, what what do you think from your travels? What is, what's the crop look like out there? And today, I'll just say as we're recording, today is Monday, November the 12th. A month ago, I was... I was September re- the 12th. And that's what we're recording. <laughs> it was like November. It is Monday, September the 12th. A month ago, I think I was very optimistic, though I knew there were places in the state that had suffered significant drought. But there, over the past month, we've had extended rainfall. We've had cloudy conditions day after day. A little bit of sunshine sprinkled in, but not much. And um, so maybe the crop has reduced somewhat. It's difficult to determine at this point. USDA has actually downgraded us a little bit from their August forecast, which I thought was way low, but maybe, maybe they're right. I hope not, but maybe they are. Amanda, are you seeing or hearing any in some late planted cotton, any issues with diseases with the weather that Steve just mentioned? We've seen a lot of stemphylium leaf spot, which is a secondary pathogen that's related to anything that really stresses the plant, but primarily potassium deficiencies. So when you have either drought conditions, which we had a lot in the Tennessee Valley area and even parts of central Alabama at certain times of the year, or excessively wet conditions like we've seen in southwest part of the state, you can get a lot of that stemphylium. Anything that stresses that plant, it really comes in. And it's really started to defoliate a lot of cotton prematurely. And in the central part of the state, and some of our plots and some grower fields, kind of near Tallassee in the plant breeding unit, we've seen it start to form a complex with aerolite mildew um, to where probably it's even causing 75% defoliation. And so some of those fields, I'm already seeing a lot of open bowls. And that makes me worried about the rain coming in with getting hard lock and bowl rot. Uh, so. It's looking pretty rough in some areas, but then some fields look great. So it's kind of, you know, across the board in what we're seeing disease-wise. But definitely a lot of stemphilium this year. And would y'all say maybe on this late planted cotton, you know, June, mid-June planted cotton, is it just let it ride? Or I know the the first spot you said, least spot you said, uh, remind me of the name. Stemphilium. Stemphilium. Nothing we can do for that. Now the the area late mildew. Are we beyond the yield impacts of that? or So if you're more than four weeks from defoliating anyway, 
and you have good yield potential. A single application of something like Priaxor at 4 to 8 fluid ounces, or Revitec at 8 to 12, or Merivis Top at 12 fluid ounces, excuse me, Maravis Top at 13.6 fluid ounces can help with aerolite mildew and target spot as well. But if you're within four weeks of defoliating anyway, which is mainly what Steve's going to talk about, then it's really not, doesn't make much sense in terms of cost to yield ratio. So you're kind of toting a fine line where a lot of our cotton is, you know, within that four-week window, but there might be some of those later planted fields where you could still make an application. It might be beneficial. Well, Steve, what do you think about the, the art of defoliation for this year? It is a challenge. It's always a challenge. We've got some fields that suffered uh, significant dry weather, and now they've gotten a few showers uh, over the past month, and they're they're greening back up. So defoliation, actually, I would say harvest aid applications because we have different products, and we try to do different things when we're putting out those products to ready the crop for harvest. So it's, it's, it's always a challenge. You adjust rates. You tweak them. You learn what's happening in your neighbor's field. You see what happened to you a week or 10 days ago, and you make some adjustments. So it, it, it is a somewhat of an art, though there is a lot of science involved as well. Scientific art. And That's so, right. So we've got, uh, defoli- we got defoliation products. We've got bowl opening products. Are there any other types of harvest aids that we're using? Well, even within when we talk about defoliants, we have products that work well on mature foliage, and then we have those that work well on both juvenile and mature foliage. And then we also do something else. We have products that inhibit regrowth, and regrowth can occur from the base of the stalk or the base of the stem. We'd call that basal regrowth. We can also see that juvenile growth in the terminal. So we've got at least those three functions, as you said, uh, immature uh, leaf removal, mature leaf removal. We have bowl opening. Um, We might could even do a little bit of weed control, but we want to inhibit regrowth as well. So all all those are rolled into what we're trying to accomplish when we're ready in the crop for harvest through application of these different products. Yeah, and I've actually seen a lot of that regrowth, especially in those cotton that was significantly defoliated by diseases this year, where you see a lot of those small green leaves just kind of at the base of the plant starting to kind of show back up. Yeah, that's right. I was I was in a field last Friday, and I thought it was about 60% open. And in fact, it was 90 or 95% open, about to maybe a foot below the canopy. There was a lot of green growth, a lot of juvenile, juvenile terminal regrowth. Uh, with a, some young fruit there even, but right below it was open bowl. So it was interesting that it was that far along. So that's uh, dealing with regrowth is somewhat of a challenge. And, and it, it, I, I would say that it almost seems as of today, September 12th, it almost seems like we're, we're turning the page and getting a little bit past the, the sustained rain and overcast conditions that we've had over the past weeks. And so that's going to be a good thing. That We need every bit of sunshine. Uh, some would even argue we'd want sunshine from now to Thanksgiving. So that every bit of sunshine is going to help us in this process of harvesting as much cotton as we can. I'll just say I could get behind the idea of beautiful days between now and Thanksgiving. Yes, me too. <laughs> yes. Especially with the cooler temperatures. makes it very enjoyable. And not only for us, but also for the cotton plants, you get... Better air circulation with that sun, and it kind of keeps those late-season diseases from coming in, less chances of hard lock and bull rot. So 
Fingers crossed. We would like to see a reduction in humidity as well, because that, again, reduces the humidity we see in the canopy, which contributes, as you said, to, to bowl rot and, and to hardlock as well, which prevent, again, the normal fluffing of cotton and the grabbing of it from spindles in our, in our harvesters. You mentioned a term there, 60% open. And is, so do we use that as a threshold of when do I say, hey, I need to go put something out? There's a lot of ways to time it. Um, there, there are considerations of logistics, but let's talk first about the crop. The, the long-term traditional observation was that you'd wait till the crop was 60% open, and not many people go out and count, but um, it was assumed that if you reach that point, and that assumes a rather uh, uniform fruiting pattern over the course of the season, that if it's at least 60% open, you can make an application and not impact yield or quality. There's some more sophisticated measures and probably more accurate measures. One would be if we have a first position cracked open bowl, we can count at least four nodes above that. If there's a first position bowl there, we know that bowl is sufficiently mature to, to proceed with, with harvest aid application. It may even be node five or six past that, that it is, again, uh, it's mature enough to proceed. The other Another method is is using a, a pocket knife, a sharp pocket knife, and trying to cut through those bowls. And really, I would, I, I kind of like that method to say, all right, this is the last bowl I expect to harvest. And as I try to slice through it, when it becomes extremely difficult to slice through, or is, if as you slice through, or even you can use a pair of cutters, some sort of uh, uh, shears or pruning shears, you might physically cut through and if you see the, the discoloration or the darkening of the seed coat in, in cross-section, you know, hey, that, that the cotton is, is, is reaching maturity and you can proceed with an application. So a lot of ways to time it. You, on the logistical side, you have to think about, is my cotton picker ready? Can I get there? How, if, what else do I have to do ahead of that? So you have to figure that in. You want to be 10 to 14, no more than 20 days out from being ready to pick that particular field. So, Steve, when you think about, you know, what are, what are we applying and maybe, I don't know if you want to dabble into rates or not, I know with insecticides, you know, we have a lot of different generic names. Sometimes they have different formulations, so it's hard to give a, you know, a label recommended rate. But what are some, some things, and maybe you just use a well-known brand name that folks can, can move out or... There, there are many ways to get to the same point, and there are a lot of different products that are available. We do have to think about the different functions of leaf removal, growth inhibition, and bowl opening. Uh, and normally, in probably 90-plus percent, maybe even greater percentage than that, we, make a, we use a mixture of applications or a mixture of products to make our applications a single product, even at the highest and the best rate, is not all is not nearly as consistent as putting two modes of action type products together. For example, a standard product might be one uh, that people traditionally associate with cotton harvest as a phosphate product, DEF or Folex. And it, when you smell that in the air, actually what you're smelling is a is not the active ingredient, but some something else. But you smell it. Uh, that does a good job of removing mature leaves. Uh, then we might add a bowl opener with that. And most uh, the initial product that had the, that carried the trade name was Prep. Um, most people know, recognize it still today as uh, Ethafon is the is the chemical. And so we'd mix those. We might even add a third product. Uh, and that might be to inhibit regrowth, uh, a product called Thydazuron or Drop. 
And DROP is both a good defoliant but also uh, a very good regrowth inhibitor. It is the regrowth inhibitor of choice. I should back up and talk about the bowl opener, Ethophon. Not only does it help bowls to open and, um, a little bit, almost even force them open, but it also is a pretty good defoliant. So when you mix multiple products like that together, you get much more consistent results. And so that's what we're really trying to do. We want to remove as much foliage as possible. We want to inhibit regrowth. We want to open bowls to facilitate once over harvest. For those, are there different kind of application means in terms of, you know, aerial versus ground application? What do you kind of recommend producers do, or does it vary from field to field? Well, there's, uh, aerial application is not just routinely available to every farmer. Most areas, they're going to have to rely on ground application. The bad thing about ground application is you got to run through the cotton. In some some cases, that cotton is lodged or turned, you know, it's hard to get through. And so you tear up some cotton when you do that. And that's just how it's going to be. But uh, ground application does give us the opportunity to, to do a good job of making an application to every acre. Our gallonage needs to be up, but most uh, would recommend 15 gallons an acre of water as a carrier. If you get less than 10, and you're probably going to see diminished results. Um, pressure might be a, an important thing. As long as you don't get too much off-target movement from drift, you want to blow it down in the canopy to, to get coverage, particularly uh, the Ethophon products by which we're trying to open bowls. It's not systemic, so it has to actually contact the, the bowl to, to be effective. So good pressure, good volume, those are going to be important. Where we have aerial application and are willing to spend the money, we need to be three gallons, maybe some would even argue five gallons, and there's not a lot of folks that want to do that, and that, that adds significant cost, of course. So aerial, aerial means can do a very good job for us. Uh, if, it's, if the plane is set up right, it can force spray down in the canopy. Uh, if it's not set up right, you can get a rooster tail effect off the wings, and, and you can miss, miss some things there. But most of what we're going to see in Alabama is probably going to be associated with ground application. And what about any use of adjuvants or things like that? Spray adjuvants are important. Some products, actually, the there's a whole group of products we would call them PPO inhibitors. They're herbicides like AIM, ET, and there's there's a few others in that same class. Most of those products actually require crop oil concentrate when we make the applications. Now, for our other application, we don't routinely use non-ionic surfactants, for example, until we get a little on the cooler side. If it's a little, uh, we looks like we passed the 90 degree days, but sometimes when we make applications and it's real warm and we add an adjuvant, uh, we can get some leaf stick and that's a, that's a negative because if we get leaf stick, that as that leaf deteriorates, it's gonna create more trash in the, in the length sample. So we add adjuvants when it gets cooler, more routinely than, than in most of our pesticide applications. What is cooler? Cooler is probably going to be when we when we stay well below 80, and and we when we get down to 60, for for sure we're gonna we're gonna start using adjuvants routinely just to get a little more activity, a little better uptake. So Steve, how long does it take these products to work, um, and then you know until they can actually harvest? In most situations, if we put on a good defoliant program, a good harvest aid program, we're going to see leaf drop begin in, in, say, four or five days. In fact, some cases, we may have the leaves completely off that soon. But often the bowl openers take a little longer than that. They may take 10 days, 14 days. And, and over the past years, we've seen uh, 
rates ma- go go to higher and higher to the towards the maximum, uh, just to expedite and push that to speed that ahead. If the crop's ready in seven days, let's go get it. We need to take advantage of that if we have the picker ready and available. But most people are going to think 10 to 14 days, certainly no more than 20 days, they're going to be making an, making, uh, uh, trying to move in with the picker to gather the, gather the crop. So, Steve, you, you've covered a lot of great information today on this podcast. Are there any, you know, web pages or references that are available on the ACES website that producers can utilize to help make some of these decisions? We have a publication on the website that I think it's A&R 2688, but it's if you type in our search engine, uh, uh, cotton defoliate cotton or cotton defoliation, it'll get you there. Uh, that will have a more, some more specific discussions about rates and products and mixtures. Another publication that's done on an annual basis is a Mid-South Defoliation Guide that we participate in. If you type that in, I think you'd, you'd find the 2022 version of that, and it would list a bunch of different products, and it would talk about specific modes of actions of each of the products. So those are some references that people can look at for a particular specific uh, mixtures that proceed at different times of the year based on temperature. And that's uh, ANR2688. That's right. All right, Steve. Well, thanks. Recurring guest on the podcast here, occasional host as well. Uh, anything else we need to, to mention? Why don't you tell folks about the newsletter? Yes, we uh, monthly we put out the Alabama Cotton Shorts and both of the both the podcast hosts here routinely participate, and uh, we hope to publish one on September 16th, and we're already taking information from that. So it's a monthly thing, and we have a lot of different current information, Then we might even take a historical perspective and throw a few things in. So we uh, seek to inform as, as well as occasionally entertain. <laughs> so how can our listeners sign up to receive the newsletter? They can probably type in Alabama, pod, uh, excuse me, not Alabama podcast, but Alabama cotton shorts, and I think they would find it. And then you can go to the ACES website and you can sign up for it. Um, if you would contact any of us, my email is cottonbrown at, at auburn.edu. So any way you can get there to sign up for it, you can you can get it regularly on a monthly basis. And you can also access uh, what was done over the past uh, a year or two in terms of that newsletter. It's been going on now for three years or so. Absolutely. All right, well, Steve, appreciate your time today. Enjoyed it. Amanda, good to see you. Yeah, it's great seeing both of you. Yeah. All right, well, we uh, appreciate our listeners for tuning in. Uh, be looking for another exciting episode of the Alabama Crops Report podcast. And as always, if any of us can ever do anything to help, please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.